Hello and welcome to The Kicker, the weekly podcast from Louisville Business First, your number one source for breaking news and market intelligence. I'm Managing Editor Shay Van Hoy. This week, I'm joined by two of our reporters who would tell us about the stories they've been working on this week. Marty Finley has written quite a bit lately on Louisville's USL soccer team, Louisville City FC. He's joining us to talk about what it will take to build the team a stadium here, where it might go, and what the competition for MLS looks like in other cities. Then David Mann is coming on to talk about the crash in the casual dining sector. Several chains have recently announced their closing locations, and David will tell us about the consumer trends that are eating into a restaurant operator's bottom line. First, let's talk to Marty, uh, who reported on a soccer stadium feasibility study from Louisville Forward. Marty, tell us a little bit about how much the report projects the cost of a new stadium will be. Yeah, the report came out late last week. We've been expecting it for several months now, uh, and we found out we'd heard the um, something as much as fifty to sixty million, which was kind of confirmed by the study. It said it could be anywhere from thirty to fifty million based on how how many kind of specifications they put into it. Uh, it'd be a ten thousand seat stadium, but the um, the study stressed that it needed to be expandable for a potential MLS expansion. So um, now they're getting ready to meet, I was told by the city and Louisville City FC that they should be meeting later this month to kind of discuss where they go from here because as we're going to talk about, it's going to be a lot of uh, both public and private financing needed to build it. Yeah, and talk about the breakdown um, possibilities for paying for this you know, multi-million dollar stadium. Yeah, um, like I said, based on where it would go, it's a pretty wide range from 30 to 50 million. Uh, you could see anywhere from 15 to 27 million in, in public financing and 15 to 23 million in private financing. Now, some of that could come from like facility fees, naming rights, some of the private stuff uh, could come from the actual facility itself. Uh, a lot of the public financing may have to come from tax incentives, uh, money that would be given from the city, maybe another tax increment financing district, which could be controversial. So, um, there's a, several options that are thrown out there in the study, but I'm from what the city has said, it's going to be a lot of discussion. Probably some public meetings will be held to figure out exactly how they would proceed. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in the study, they didn't rule out using kind of straight tax dollars. Um, no, it did say public. Um, it, it kind of said public funding, which I'm assuming would just come like from a general fund from the city. So, okay. And the study also says that it would be, uh, you know, need a large site, um, 16 acres, to put the stadium on and so that you know with it with also a goal of it being downtown or close to downtown that limits places where mm-hmm. it could go um you did a, a kind of a follow-up story looking at options and, and tell us a little bit about what you found out about that yeah the study came out really late on thursday so it was hard to really get any feedback thursday evening we were just trying to get the story out that it had been it, the study was here but i followed up on monday uh, no one is really ready to talk on the record yet uh, I called the Sports Commission, and they kind of gave me a polite no comment. But some of the real estate brokers, uh, you know, talked to me just kind of off the record, uh, throw their, threw their ideas out there. West Louisville has been brought up in the past. Bill Whalen mentioned it more than a year ago. they would be a great magnet project to kind of infuse, tech, you know, money and, and excitement into West Louisville. Um, and from the people we talked to, they felt like that's probably the most likely option with just there's some available land. I don't know if they'd be 16 acres, but there are some available spots down there. Uh, Someone even mentioned um, that you could co-locate it near the, the the food port that's been proposed down there, which could be you know maybe something that could they could kind of feed off one another. Um, a couple of other spots have been mentioned is the fairgrounds, which I've heard in the past. I guess you could remove some of the older and kind of uh, damaged or not damaged, but the the aging um, facilities over there, maybe build it there. Um, but West Louisville seems to be the one that uh, the people I've talked to behind the scenes thinks that it's, it's the most likely option. 
Uh, but like I said, we've not heard from the city. They actually said we're going to withhold any site selections because we don't want to drive the price up of whatever land we would want to buy. And speaking of um, you know, talking about how much it's going to cost, but also the, the study, um, which was 70-plus pages long, talked about what sort of economic infusement it could bring to the city. And if you could just talk a little bit about the, the estimates for that. Yeah, it um, it looked kind of a 20-year window, hoping to open by like 2019, 2020. So within a 20-year period, it thought it would – it projected that – you could have over 195 million in economic impact, over 21, tw- over 2,000 jobs, and then close to three million dollars in new tax revenue. So, pretty significant um, uh, impact uh, over that period of time, uh, particularly the the overall infusion into the city uh, with with money being spent in, in businesses. Okay. So, and the uh, right at the same time as this news came out, um, also the the Louisville F- City FC had. A kind of a change in leadership um, in a way. And I, you also reported on that as part of your um, part of your story. And so if you talk a little bit about that change and what that might mean yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Wayne Estopanol, who's uh, principal with TG Architects, he's also a minority owner. And he kind of been the public face for a long time of Louisville City FC. He was a big part of the reason that they landed a USL franchise, which is the minor league that they play in. Um, and Wayne had kind of been out there especially on the first first rung when, when everything was first kicking off. Amanda Duffy's kind of stepped in that public face as the, as the president of late. Uh, but they they made a, a decision behind the scenes, uh, the investors group and the board, that they'd like to see him take a reduced role. He will still be a board member. Uh, he's asked to also uh, remain a minority owner. Uh, what Wayne told me is that there'd probably be a decision made possibly next next month as to what they do in terms of leadership, if they'll name a new person in that into that role or if – if they'll move forward in a different direction. So we don't really know what's going to happen next, but we know that Wayne is going to kind of step out of the spotlight from this point on. Yeah, and um, not only competition on the field, but you also wrote a story uh, about competition for an MLS franchise and uh, and focused in on Nashville, um, obviously a a nearby city. And if you could talk a little bit about that, you know, the kind of the the competition to to bring an MLS team to here, there, or other cities. Yeah, uh, when – Louisville, when Louisville Metro government first um, announced plans to do a soccer stadium study, they mentioned that they want to pursue eventually either an MLS franchise or maybe moving, upgrading Louisville City FC into the MLS, which I think is the desired goal is to try to get them upgraded. Um, but they've normally not put together a formal bid. Well, this week we heard from our sister paper, the Nashville Business Journal, was reporting that there's an actual group, um, an ownership committee that's come together. It's a lot of biz- local business owners and executives, um, the Nash- some executives from the Nashville Predators and the Tennessee Titans are involved. So you've got an NHL team and an NFL team kind of throwing their support for an MLS team in, in uh, Nashville. And they just received approval for a USL franchise, which would put them in the same league as Louisville City FC. They're trying to get, as I understand it, they're trying to get um, kind of figure out the specifics on a stadium for the minor league team. But uh, they're actually moving forward to try to make a formal bid as we uh, – as I did some more research, I found that there's already a pretty long line of teams that are that are already in the front running to for the next expansion. MLS has about 20 teams now. They're looking to maybe add eight more. Uh, as I understand it, St. Louis and Sacramento are the two front runners. San Antonio, Austin, Cincinnati are also in the running. So Nashville and Louisville may both may be waiting a while, but it looks like Nashville is ready to make that leap, maybe a little bit ahead of, of Louisville to make a formal pitch to get their name in there too. So. 
Well, uh, we want to thank Marty for joining us uh, and talking about Louisville City FC and their quest for a stadium. And he's working on uh, an in-depth piece for a future print edition. Uh, so keep keep your eye out for that moving forward. Now we're going to turn to David Mann, our reporter on the restaurant beat. He's been watching what's been going on in the casual dining world and reported on the struggles of several prominent chains this week. Um, David, why do you think uh, diners are turning away or what are people saying why they're turning away from from casual dining chains? Yeah, so on the website this time, we called it the casual dining apocalypse. Uh, and uh, some of the re- there's a lot of different reasons behind it. Uh, one is, of course, the reason behind everything, millennials. Millennials <laughs> like fast casual restaurants, it turns out. Uh, not, uh, you know, so more of their money is going to places like Chipotle, uh, Panera Bread, and uh, Panda Express instead of uh, sit-down restaurants like Logan's and... Uh, Burby Tuesdays. <laughs> and speaking of those two you mentioned, um, in your report, you talk about the news that came out for those two, and, and as well as a couple other um, casual dining spots, including a local one, and just kind of go over what, um, you know, yeah, w- specifically what chains are, are kind of having a little trouble right now. So I brought those two restaurants up specifically because um, this week we heard from Logan. Basically, they're filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection and announced that they closed 18 stores, uh, or they're going to close 18 stores. We found out after they announced it um, that one of the stores is in Louisville. It's the one on Shelbyville Road in front of the uh, Best Buy Shopping Center in in St. Matthews. Uh, So that closed this week. And then uh, just today, um, so whenever this hits your ears, um, you know, Ruby Tuesday announced that they were going to close 94 stores uh, around the country. And they hadn't said exactly which ones, and we'll probably find out in the next month or so. There's a couple locations here, so maybe it could affect Louisville. We'll just have to wait and see on that. A couple other things. uh, Texas Roadhouse, uh, they, they saw their stock go down real about 10 percent after uh after they missed on earnings so they're kind of seeing this as well that's a louisville based chain and then a competitor of theirs one of their major competitors uh bloomin brands which operates outback carabas uh bonefish and um, some other uh concepts they also have seen lower earnings and sales uh, so basically it's kind of hidden across the industry uh, there's a lot of these um, kind of fast, or not fast, but uh, casual change uh, around the industry that are seeing lo- less sales. Yeah, and the fast casual chain, uh, the growth in that, uh, the, some of the ones you mentioned, and you know, Kidoba, um, they've kind of been at the forefront of some tech, you know, technology advances. Um, could you talk a little bit about an analyst that you um, you got some information from who said that the casual restaurants have been adopting some of those. Um, technologies, but that that might not be a good idea for them. Yeah, so uh, we've seen Panera and Chipotle and some of these other outfits uh, adopt technologies like online ordering, where you can place your order online and walk to the store and just pick it up. Um, and uh, consumers like these things. And so we've seen um, Texas Roadhouse play with this same thing as well. They're, they're testing an app. I believe it's in the Houston market where they are um, letting customers pay at the table with their phone and uh, check in to the waiting list on their phone prior to coming to the restaurant. And the reason they're doing this is to try and compete with fast casual on speed 
But this analyst I spoke with today was not an analyst. He's kind of an industry consultant. Uh, he, he said you know, that may not be the best idea because those restaurants are never going to be able to compete with fast casual on speed. So they might as well try and compete with what se- separates them, which is being full service and offering, you know, table service and that sort of thing. So they should really try and shine, you know, focus on that rather than try and be like a fast casual restaurant because they're never going to be a fast casual. You'd hire some uh, servers with special talents like Magic or... Or <laughs> roller skates yes. would make them faster. Exactly. Which Sonic has already thought of that. Yeah, so exactly. We're way behind. Um, and kind of at the end of your report, you had some information about there was a first this year for restaurants in general, or last year, I guess it was. And could you talk a little bit about what that was? So, uh, so yeah, um, for the first time in 2015, uh, more money was spent on restaurants than there was money spent at grocery stores and um that, that was a first and it's because uh millennials spend more money at restaurants than any other generation but the expert i talked to said that's totally not sustainable because food cost inflation hits restaurants way worse than it does hit grocery stores so um and so last year we saw that trend this year we're seeing a lot more of um yeah, grocery stores kind of bouncing back, and they're pulling more of the consumer dollars uh, towards that. So, yeah, that was a, a crazy stat on just thinking about how massive the grocery store industry is, and I that know. more more money's being spent spent there. And grocery stores are getting a little fancier. You know, it's not just picking up stuff and heading home with it. They got delis and uh, <laughs> burrito bars <laughs> and that sort of thing. So, there uh, H E B in Houston when I was there a couple. Uh, last year they had a bar bar yeah in yeah. there so you could sit down and have like a craft beer and get a burrito and while you were shopping you know yeah I, i've never shopped at lucky's market but i've heard lucky's market you can get a beer your cart has a cup holder for your beer and you can shop for food while having a beer <laughs> so well thanks david for talking about that i'm going to uh, log off of here and head to Lucky's, I think. Um, <laughs> David covers the restaurant scene for us, um, and so be sure to visit our website, louisvillebusinessfirst.com, to stay up on restaurants and bourbon and distilling. Um, you can also sign up for our morning and afternoon edition emails um, and get breaking news alerts to your email, mobile device, um, wherever you need it to, to stay up on business in, in Louisville and the surrounding areas. And uh, that wraps it up for this week. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Kicker.